And if you have, open up your Bibles to Psalm 124. What if God had not stepped in? 
What gotten not intervened? What if we were all on our own? And that's what Psalm 1 through 4 goes on to challenge us on. So David does all of this and encourages us in our worship. I think he asks this question and he reflects, as I just summarized right at the beginning, he asks this question, what if? And then he, he reflects on the life of God's people in his own life, actual situations. We don't know exactly what it is, uh, what situation, but actual situations. And then he says that um, strengthened by the truth that God will always be faithful. He's proven it in the past and he doesn't change and he will do it in the future. It's a, a wee technical term called future grace. But really all it means is God doesn't change. And if he's done it in the past, he will do it today and he will do it in the future. His grace is constant. Andrew, give me another slide. That's the introduction. Open your Bibles. Psalm 124. We're going to look at just a few parts from this. Here's the context of, of David. He's describing threats and he's using metaphor to describe the threat that he's under. Remember, David, who was the king of Israel, uh, the glorious king of Israel, and it was, the, it was a, a real wonderful period in God's uh, history, the people of God's history. And so, what he says, if we read uh, verse 2 to 5, God says, What well, if the Lord had not been our side, let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side, when men attacked us, when their anger flared up against us, um, they would have swallowed us alive. The flood would have engulfed us, engulfed us. the torrent would have swept over us, the raging waters would have swept us away. So verse 3, David speaks of being swallowed alive, and he speaks of anger, other people's anger directed towards them. He's thinking metaphorically, you can get this picture, and Eugene Pearson picks this up, quite well, metaphorically of a dragon, a dragon-like monster that would have swallowed him up. No enemy's going to do that physically, so it's, it's his imagination of being swallowed up whole by a ferocious beast who overpowered him. And from what follows, perhaps David is also thinking of a flood, maybe going back to the biblical flood, of flood waters. And he says it in verse 4, for he speaks of being engulfed he speaks of the torrent, verse 5. He speaks of raging waters, and he um, these raging waters carrying people away. So he, he gives us two images of the trouble that he finds himself in, and God's people finds himself in, because this is in plural, of a big monster that's able to devour them, and, and a flood that would just sweep them away, and there would be no sign of them again. What if God hadn't been in our side? This is what possibly could have happened. But we also see other images. Verse 6 and 7. Praise be to the Lord, who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird out of fowler's, fowler's snare. The snare has been broken, and we have escaped. So verse 6, about being torn apart, he's talking about a, a, a ravenous animal. And Eugene Peterson in the message describes it like that, like a helpless as a rabbit in a pack of snarling dogs. And then in verse 7, he, he describes them as being like a bird, a bird that is ensnared, that is trapped. And yet, because the Lord was in the side, we've flown free from their fangs. We've flown free, quite difficult to say, from their fangs, from these snarling dogs, and we've, uh, we've, we're out of the trap, we're free as a bird. 
If the Lord hadn't been on our side, that would not have happened. And so that's the context that he's given us here. Give me that slide, Andrew, please. Remember, we are exploring the, the Psalms of Ascent. We're roughly following Eugene Peterson's book, eh, Along Obedience in the Same Direction. The Psalms of Ascent are 15 Psalms from Psalm 120 to 134 that would have been sung by pilgrims on their way to the, to the temple, to the, the house of the Lord. And it would have been like their playlist, their Spotify playlist. They would have sung it verbatim one after another. Definitely three times a year, possibly others. And Jesus would have sung these. And they would have helped him and helped other pilgrims reflect on the what-ifs, reflect on life and all the situations in life. They're not leaving anything at the steps of the temple, and perhaps people even see these psalms could have been sung at each step as they were going up to the temple. Had been very broad steps for a lot of people singing a lot of psalms. But each time they came towards, each step they took towards the temple, towards worship of the Lord, they didn't leave anything behind. They acknowledged everything and they brought their whole life into worship because that is what we are invited to do. Come follow me, pick up your cross and follow me. And, and uh, so um, the, the psalm of ascent, it's part of this spiritual pilgrimage. It's a songbook near the tail end of the psalms. And John Newton, who you know, we've not sung it today, who, who wrote Amazing Grace. He picks this up of that we have arrived having gone through many dangers, toils and snares. I have already come. What's the next verse? Next one. His grace has brought me safe thus far and grace will give me hope. His grace, God's favour that has brought me here thus far and grace will lead me home to him. Here's the hope. You know, to him. Wonderful. I think he picked it up wonderfully. Because we know, as Jesus has said, and we said this last week as well, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. So again, the Psalms of Ascent encourage us as pilgrims to bring everything to God, to leave nothing behind, to acknowledge that we will have hardships. If it happened to Jesus, it will happen to us. But he has overcame the world. We are in Jesus. We will overcome the world. Make take time. In fact, last night I was walking back from the Craig track. Suddenly we found the guy and I told the And I was thinking of how God <coughs> limits us. It's something I'm reading just now. Sorry, that's a really good thought. I thought. And I thank God as I walk in the last number of days, and certainly as I walked in from the Craig track, just thinking. I think God has revealed to me after 35 years that he definitely limited my life. And I don't mean the, the days of my life, but the scope of what I was prepared to do. Age 14, 15, I became incredibly aware that there were certain areas of my life that was limited. It drove me into certain depression. Miranda identified that. She could see it, but couldn't speak at times. Imagine that, a preacher that couldn't physically express emotion. But now looking back, I know why God did it. And now, 35 years later, through many dangers, toils and snares, I'm thankful. It's, it's been a long process of being thankful, because many years I was resentful. 
Why do other people walk in this life and I know? Why am I precarious? Why are you not doing healing? Why la 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 la? All sorts of troubles and complaints are brought to the Lord. And only in the last number of days, reading a book, a book and reflecting, can I see that God limits us for our good in 35 years of not a long time for the Lord at all. I share that just to leave my testimony. Um, but to recognise that we in this world have many troubles, but do not, do not be a, do not, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Therefore, we also expect the Lord will be on our side throughout life. And this is the theme of Psalm 124, the Lord will be, the Lord is on our side. Give me another slide, Andrew. Here's what Eugene Peterson says, he summarises the burden of the psalm. Psalm 124 is a song of hazard and of help. Among the Psalms of the Saint, sung by the people of God on the way of faith. This is one which better than any other describes the hazardous work of all the disciples and declares the help which is always experienced at the hand of God. I'll let you read that just again. I won't erase anything from that. He summarizes the burden of Psalm 124. <clears throat> Next slide, Andrew, please. I'm going to look really one major thing and then bring a couple of things up at the end of it. Right at the beginning, it's worth noting. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side. So we say the Lord is on our side. This is a bold statement. It's an exclusive statement, let's be honest. It's worth repeating the psalmist things. And I think David um, calls us to declare this for two reasons. One is to praise the Lord, exalt the Lord. He wants us to do this through many nature's powers and snares, but also is to bring comfort to heart. Two reasons, I think, why David declares this. But, give me another slide, Andy. It is a controversial statement. In our society, of, which is a religious, uh, religious plurality in our society, has been for, for many, many, many decades, it's quite bold to go out there and say that God is on our side. Because undoubtedly people will say, who gives you the right to say that God is on your side and not on our side? Of course they have every right to say that. But if we are saying that God is on our side, then we're saying God takes sides. I think David clearly believes that. There is a side that God is on and there is a side that God is not on. He is on the side of his people and God is not on the side of his enemies. I mean, some things to say about that. But that's a bold statement. God has enemies. He's not on their side. You can then say God has friends, and he is on their side. And David clearly believes that God does do this. And therefore, we need to acknowledge that we have enemies. Why? Why do we have enemies? Aren't we nice people? Don't we do brilliant things in our community? I'm sure you are fantastic workers at the Hydro and people notice how diligent you are. And you want that to be the case. You know, we work uh, as if we work to the Lord. 
we're not standing pillars of our community. That's what we hope. But yet, the Bible's very clear, not your, your enemies. Because the biblical truth is this, because God has enemies, those who hate God also hate those who belong to God. I want nothing to do with God. I've heard that say time and time again. I've heard very intelligent people say, even if it was proven to me that God exists, I still would not believe. I do want, I want nothing to do with God. They are an enemy of God. Jesus said this, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. So if you belong to everything that happens in society, if you're part of society and you thrive in that and you're one of them, you're, you're an enemy of God. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world and that is why the world hates you. From the words of Jesus, who has enjoyed the presence of the Father for all eternity with the Spirit, says to you and I, I have chosen you out of the world, and that is why the world hates you. It hates me, it will hate you, if you are identifying with me. And as Christians, we are little Christs. We are disciples of the way of Jesus. What is a it's a political, it's a social system. The kingdom of God, that isn't just something that you do on a Sunday, it should impact every single area of our lives. And increasingly the kingdom will come to fit us for the presence of God and the kingdom of God for eternity. We are being changed increasingly. And there are some things that we are holding back on, and God will be patient with us. But he will not forget about that. He will continue to try and pry our hands open, because he loves us to fit us for him. And he will allow us to go through all sorts of shenanigans, all sorts of moves through COVID that are difficult to do something in us. For us to rely on him more, to call out him more, to trust in him more, etc., etc., to make us more like Jesus. We have enemies because we've nailed our colours to the mast and, and it is a war that we are in. Give me another slide, please. But take courage, verse 8, because the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, is on our side. We may have enemies, but God is for us and not against us. And therefore you may, and people may ask, why would God show favour or grace and be in our sin? Or people might say, why is God on your side and he's not on my side? Well, God's favour is based on his sovereignty. For he is under no compulsion to act, but does so according to his good pleasure, freely from the bounty of his own goodness, worth repeating. God's favour, or why, or his grace and favour is based on his sovereignty, who he is. For he is under no compulsion to act, but does so according to his good pleasure. He wants to, he doesn't need to, but he wants to of his sovereignty of his character and he does it freely you know it's a free gift of salvation that you've been given and he does so from the bounty of his own goodness of his character he's a generous giving God but what does it look like I'm going to tell you in two ways and I don't know if there's a lot of terms I've made this up one is God's general favour and you can see um, so gracious 
is God that he shows a, a degree of a favour to everyone. I get this in St. Johnson quite a bit at being a chaplain. Someone will go by me and say, Rev, say a prayer for us today. And I will often say, um, I forgot the scripture. <laughs> I often say, yeah, God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And I'll say that, I'll say this, but God sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And then I'll say to the person, don't forget that the other team's chaplain is praying for them as well. They want God in their side. And that's a God, you could say, generally is on everyone's side. He desires everyone to know him. He gives us fear. He gives us the rain. He gives us the sun. That's who he is. And he wants his creation to follow him, to be at peace with him. No, that all would willingly bow the knee before his son Jesus. And yet we know that the prophet Isaiah acknowledges this, that God's favour doesn't always have the desired effect on people. God does all these things. People don't notice it half the time. But Isaiah says, but when grace is shown to the wicked, they do not live righteousness. Even in a man of uprightness, they go on doing evil and do not regard the majesty of the Lord. So that's general favour. It's a special favour. Even though we have done absolutely nothing to merit God's favour, he demonstrates his goodness by freely giving out of the storehouse of his favour. And we know Isaiah, uh, we know uh, Ephesians 2, 9, which says, For it by grace you have been saved through faith, through God's favour. And this is not from ourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. God's favour is based on his sovereignty, for he is under no compulsion to act, but does so according to his good pleasure, freely from the bounty of his goodness. Oh, outrageous grace. And Psalm 124, the psalm of ascension, reminds us that there are times when people attack us. It reminds us that life can be brutally hard. So I ask anyone in here, can you relate to the sense of being punched in the gut and being swallowed up by heartache? If so, that's a sense of despair. Can you relate to the sense of being emotionally, physically and even spiritually overwhelmed by the downpour of trials? You may say yes to that as well. That's experience of being depressed. Can you relate to the sense of being inundated by torrential streams of hardship and heartache? That's a sense of being disorientated. Can you relate to the sense of the waters of, of trials rising to the point where you can only despair as everything seems to be washing away? That's a sense of devastation. Can you relate to the sense of being just a step away from utter destruction. That's the sense of impending death. And finally, can you relate to the sense of being trapped, even soon to be delivered? That is the sense of utter destruction. You and I will face challenges in this pilgrimage, in this Christian pilgrimage. And sometimes, it will seem unbearable. But 
believe Psalm 124 and the psalmist would start off by saying to us, let all God's people say that God was not on our side. In worship, we praise him that he is good to us. And our hearts are comfort because we know that life's experiences will not engulf us. Life's experiences, if we cry on to him, will not sweep us away. And we will not be torn apart. Why? Because the Lord is on our side. We come to worship. We come to acknowledge him. And our heart is comforted that he is for us and not against us. And just briefly, one more slide in. The psalmist says, praise the Lord, who has not let us be torn by our teeth. We have escaped like a bird. Out of the fowler's snare, the snare has been broken, and we have escaped. In a moment, we will have silence, and we're going to let the silence go for a bit. And in that silence, I will encourage you to bring your worship to the Lord, even if you feel as if you are going to be engulfed, even if you do feel as if you're going to be swept away, or if you feel as if life is tearing you apart, I want to remind you the Lord is on your side. So said David in Psalm 124. And we bring great honour to God when we worship Him, especially, especially if we're in the battle, we're in the thick of it. And he finishes off by speaking confidently because he says in verse 8 our help is in the name of the Lord the maker of heaven and earth our help is in the name of the Lord all of this experience has, has strengthened David it's comforted his faith so much so that at the end of the psalm he brings a bold confession it's a confession of faith. In fact, this psalm may be taken as that because it goes through all of the things that we go through. Recognizes that God is for us in the end. It says, and praise be to God in the name of the Lord. So who is the Lord? Well, you will notice in your scriptures that it's in the capitals. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, which is... The Bible's way of saying Yahweh, the name of the Lord. So David is identifying not a Lord among Lords, not a God among Gods, but he is identifying the one true living God. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Lord and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So David is, is no postmodern theologian. He is not deconstructing everything and trying to build it up so that we could stand with other faiths and other sects and say we're all worshiping the same God. When in fact we know that that is not the case. We worship the one true living God. He is not the sun God. He is not the goddess of the moon. Our help does not come from them 
Our help comes from the Lord and maker of heaven and earth, Yahweh. So this is an absolute declaration, and therefore one at the same time rejects all other claims to deity. And this is our declaration in Carol Baptist Church, that Jesus Christ is Lord. So just to finish off with, uh, Psalm 125, 125, uh, you can read that tomorrow. But Psalm 124, simply understood is this. It's a celebration of the Lord's protection and protection because of his faithfulness. It's a psalm of hope for God's people in the midst when we're up to the eyeballs and difficulties. And one last slide in. Eugene Peterson summarizes in this way. Psalm 124 is an instance of a person who digs deeply into the trouble and finds there the presence of God who is on our side. In the details of the conflict, the majestic greatness of God becomes revealed in the minuteness of our personal history. Faith develops out of the most difficult aspects of our experience, not the easiest. God is in the middle of it. And if we would just dig down and have faith and trust Him, it's in those times that we become increasingly like our Saviour Jesus when the transformation, the metamorphosis happens. But if we run away from it, if we think this should not be happening to us, if we throw the toys out of the pram and doubt even God's faithfulness, we don't move forward, we don't grow. In fact, we're not letting go. So when you're faced, and we will be faced with daunting uh, circumstances, we should ask the important question, if the Lord had not been on our side, what would have happened and where would I be? But praise to the Lord, he is in our side. For those who confess Jesus. And if you're still in that place, you don't know, I'm drinking my coffee with you. If you're still checking Jesus out, I'd love to chat with that. But for the vast majority of people here, our confidence in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And in the last days, he has spoken to us through his son, who was appointed heir of all things. And through the whole universe was made Jesus.